It is good to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open those to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We are going to conclude our walkthrough of the book of Ecclesiastes today. We'll finish it up or it will finish me up, one or the other. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And while you're turning there, just a reminder today, Not if you were wondering... Uh, not today, but tomorrow is my youngest son Alder's uh, fifth birthday. That's done a lot to me in, in the last couple of days. It's a little bit overwhelming because that, that means like even though he believes that he will be a baby until he is a full-grown man, uh, there's not a baby. It's true. It's true. He's his mother's baby too. She'll let you know very quickly. Um, even though he believes that, there's not a baby in my house anymore. Now, I know some of you guys have your hands full and you are offering to let me borrow yours. Just know, you keep those. Uh, you, you keep those. But I love babies I, I, when you hold them, you. Uh, but, and when I think about that, and I consider that I've been walking through this with him for this long, I look at a passage like Ecclesiastes and I remember the things that you learn when you have a newborn, a brand new baby. You look at them and you realize they only do three things. They eat, they sleep, and they go to the bathroom. They don't even have to clean themselves up. That's your job. They eat, they sleep, and they go to the bathroom. And at the conclusion of each and every one of our lives, those are the three things that we hopefully will be doing. We eat, we sleep, and we go to the bathroom. Life is, it works like that. There's a start, there's a finish, there's a beginning, there's an end. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 is where we start. Ten verses, very proverbial verses, and we'll go through chapter 12, verse 14. Why don't you look along with me as we consider this idea of life together yet again. Send your bread on the surface of the water. For after many days you may find it. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full, they will pour out rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or the north, the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. One who watches the wind will not sow, and the one who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you don't know the path of the wind or how bones develop in the womb of a pregnant woman, so also you don't know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening do not let your hand rest. Because you do not know which will succeed, whether one or the other, or if both of them will be equally good. Light is sweet, and it is pleasing for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if someone lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, since they will be many. All that comes is futile. Rejoice, young person, while you are young. And let your heart be glad in the days of your youth. And walk in the ways of your heart and in the desires of your eyes. But know that for all of these things, God will bring you to judgment. Remove sorrow from your heart. Put away pain from your flesh. Because youth and the prime of life, they are fleeting. 
So remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of adversity come and the years approach when you will say, I have no delight in them, before the sun and the light are darkened, and the moon and the stars and the clouds return after the rain, on the day when the guardians of the house tremble, and the strong men stoop, and the women who grind grain cease because they are few, and the ones who watch the windows see dimly, the doors at the street are shut, while the sounds of the mill fades. When one rises at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song grow faint. Also, they are afraid of heights and the dangers on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper loses its spring, the the caper berry has no effect, for the mere mortal is headed to his eternal home. And mourners will walk around in the street before the silver cord is snapped and the golden bowl is broken. And the jar is shattered at the spring and the wheel is broken into the well and the dust returns to the earth as it once was. And the Spirit returns to God who gave it absolute futility, says the teacher. Everything is futile. In addition to the teacher being a wise man, he constantly taught the people knowledge. He weighed, he explored, and he arranged many proverbs. The teacher sought to find delightful sayings and write words of truth accurately. The sayings of the wise are like cattle prods. Those from masters of collections are like firmly embedded nails. The sayings are given by one shepherd. But beyond these, my son, be warned, there is no end to the making of many books. And much study wearies the body. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God and keep His commands, because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. There are some things that we see in this passage, and I don't want us to miss them, but we need to look at the first few verses pretty quickly so that we can get to the heart of where we're going as a church today. The first thing that we see in verses 1 through 6 is that life is uh, an adventure, one friend says. Life is random at times, and because of that, that we will live lives that are full of difficulty, full of distress. We should plan ahead. Being wise does not mean, and seeking after the Lord does not mean that we ignore the situations and circumstances of each and every day. And Solomon is referencing in these first couple of verses what it means for him to be the king of Israel and how he has diversified his, uh, all that he has done for the sake of, of growing his, his wealth, growing his, he's saying to all of us, there should be diversity and you should invest. I researched investing recently. I've, I listened to some podcasts about ways for people to make money. I've read about the S&P 500. I know a little bit more about stocks and bonds and Vegas than I used to. And, and I just would love to encourage us to consider what it means for us to consider all that we have and what it means for us to invest that intentionally and to invest that with God's heart and God's desires in mind. So for us as a church, it's a very unique conversation to have in the middle of a, of a pandemic while the world seems to be completely unraveling. But for us to consider that the mission of God for us at Grace Bible Church has not changed simply because the circumstances that surround us seem to be. 
Because the world seems to be screaming of its fallenness to us over and over. And I would encourage us as followers of Jesus to think through what it means for us to invest all that has, God has given us wisely. To take the things that He has provided for us and to say, let's make the most of those. So as a church, we look at what it means for us to... To be a generous congregation, and like I'm not giving you a money pitch, and as I've made references to multiple times, I'm not going to serve you tacos one Sunday and ask you to drop dollar bills underneath the tortilla chips or anything like that. If you want to do that, that's fine, but it'll be awkward for all of us. Why is there a dollar bill under the tortilla chip? I don't want soggy dollars. Uh, I would encourage us to think through this, this very obvious truth. We have been resourced a great place to meet together in worship. And it would be absolutely incredible for us to consider, as a people who meet together here each and every week, we have things that we are dealing with financially, and that's important, but we also would know that we have bills as a church, but more important than the bills that we have as a church, hear me say this, we have the mission of God in front of us. And we are called to be people who support our missionaries, who care for those who who are making the name of Jesus known to the ends and edges of the earth. We are called to that. We are called to be a picture of mission in the midst of this community. We are called to be people who would say that there is light in a world that seems overwhelmingly dark over and over. And that we as the people of God who meet together at 1027 Dixie Drive would begin to evaluate the way that we use our resources, yet again, thinking through what it means for us to be the people of God, empowered by God, for the purposes of God, who just happen to meet together here to think about the things that we have and why God has given those to us and the way that we can use them the best. That we would use God's things as well as we possibly can. So Solomon, in these first six verses, he really just addresses the idea of of this idea of diversification and considering all that God has given you and that you are to do with what God has given you important, intentional things. That we would realize that we will take scary steps as followers of Jesus in a world that is scary. The world is a scary place. It is an overwhelming place if we think too hard about it. It is a difficult thing to consider that we are navigating here as a congregation in the midst of all of this. But just because we have scary, difficult things in front of us, that does not cancel out what God would have us to do and who He would have us to be, more importantly. We are God's people, called by God to live in this world as if the God who we worship is not limited underneath the sun, as the book of Ecclesiastes has said repeatedly. He tells us not to stop. And then he goes into this portion of the text where he reminds us, as people who consider God, don't forget the gift of life that God has given you. You see that in chapter 11, verse 7, all the way through chapter 12, verse 8. And in 7 and 8, he starts with words that seem to be incredibly sweet words. We read them, and I believe that every one of us would affirm them. Light is sweet, and it is pleasing to the eyes to see the sun. After we've had a few rainy days, how helpful is it to see the sun? Even in the midst of 
southeastern Texas humidity, the sun, when it has been raining, is a very good thing. It seems, indeed, if someone lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. We, as people who are following after Jesus, should not be curmudgeons, a word that we don't use enough. We should be people who are seeking to serve God and to find joy in all that we do. The word literally means that you would find joy over and over because light is sweet. And because you have been given many years, be grateful for those. As John Keating said in the movie Dead Poet Society, Carpe Diem, seize the day, boys. Make your life extraordinary. We would choose to live that way. But then Solomon takes this thing downhill. And it gets hard for us to hear. Let him remember the days of darkness since they will be many. Oh. All that comes is vanity or it's futile. Rejoice while you're young, young person, and let your heart be glad in the days of your youth. And walk in the ways of your heart and in the desire of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you to judgment. Remove sorrow and put away pain from your flesh because youth and the prime of life, they're fleeting. The the youth pastor that Mike and I were with this weekend, us and and those six kids, in a spacious setting, just so we're clear. I'm arm's length. I'm not just my arm, like my arm, three other arms. Shaquille O'Neal's arm. That's, That's what I need. We met together, but this youth pastor, I've known her for 20 years. We met at a summer camp 20 years ago. And she was telling stories on me from 20 years ago. Those stories don't need to be told. Thankfully, they weren't recorded. Life is past 20 years is a significant difference in time. I'm a different person today at 42 than I was at 22. More than likely, I'll be a different person at 62 than I am at 42. Time passes. And even in the midst of this Groundhog's Day world we live in, where we get up and it's the same thing over and over, we are to look for the joys of each and every day because life seems to be collapsing Every day we're closer and closer to our end. Solomon says this in verse 1 of chapter 12. So remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Before the days of adversity come. So he's pointing out to all of us who are living in this weird spiritual realm of shoulda, woulda, coulda. Live for God in the midst of now. Don't wait for this. How often do we have the conversation of one day I'm going to follow after God when I get myself right. I've said it. You've said it. We've thought it before. One day I'm going to do this. Another day I'll I'll do this. As soon as I can straighten my life up and up. And he's saying your days are passing. They're fleeting. And then he goes on to say this. Before the days of adversity come. And the years approach when you will say. I have no delight in them. The things that you love to do, 
There is coming a day when you won't love to do them. If you've ever sat with an older person near the end of their life and you talk about the things that they used to do, there are things that they love to do at one point that they no longer find joy in because we are aging people. My grandmother loved to sew. She loved to sew for a long time. Near the end of her life, she did not love to sew. If you love to fish, it's cool that you like to fish. Find joy in it. Find the good. And I know the people around here love to fish. You own so many of those Columbia shirts. So many. PFG Bible Church should be the name of this place. If you find joy in that, do it. Because there will be a day when you don't. Hunting? There will be a day where you don't love it. Whatever your thing is. I used to love to play video games. And there was a season of my life when my eyes weren't gone. When I was pretty good at it. But I don't like to do it in too many buttons. I never thought I would be the man who said there are too many buttons. But now my kids hand me a controller. And I act like they've handed me an alligator. Like what am I supposed to do with this? There will be a day. These things that you love. You don't find pleasure in them. Because those things that we find pleasure in are intended by God to cause us to find our pleasure in Him. And they flee. And they flee from us. He then goes on to explain the difficulties and hardships of life even more. Before the sun and the light are darkened and the moon and the stars and the clouds return after the rain. So... If we're not careful, we can read what Solomon's going to say to us in the next few verses and we can just think he has copied and pasted some random songs from Disney movies and just jumbled them all together. Do you see what he's saying there? You came into this world and you're going to leave it. All of us are going to leave this world. And as we age and as our lives move forward, as we walk through this, consider this. This is not ultimate. Verse 3, On the days when the guardians of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, he's alluding to something. What in the world could he be alluding to? The, the guardians of the house, your arms, you're strong. Maybe you're strong. No matter how much you work out, there's a day when your strength leaves you. And your strong men stoop, your legs that keep you up. You're going to lean over one day and that strength is going to be gone. The women who grind grain cease because they are few. What's he talking about? He's saying that your teeth are going to give way. And the ones who watch through the windows see dimly, your eyesight, it's going to fail. There will be a day for you, if you live long enough, where your eyes will not work as effectively and as efficiently as they do now. Verse 4, the doors at the street are, are shut while the sound of the mills fade. So, again, we as a people have the ability to doctor and doll ourselves up so that we can fight aging. 
And even if you can't afford to fight aging uh, in real time, most of you are fighting aging with your Facebook profiles. I see what you're putting on those things. All right, I see the gloss. You need to repent. Telling lies, doll. I'm kidding, folks. I'm kidding. Oh, the four of you who laugh, I appreciate you so. The doors at the street are shut while the sound of the mills fade. You've lost your teeth. And the only things that you can eat are oatmeal and pudding. When one rises at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song grow faint. I used to sleep really well. Like, and even at 42, I think I sleep okay. But I used to be able to sleep in. Now sleeping in is 7.45 a.m. He's saying, the longer you live, there is a greater chance that one day you will get up super early and you'll want to go to bed super early. When he tells us that the daughters of song grow faint, he's saying your hearing is going to give way. Also, they are afraid of heights and dangers on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper loses its spring. You're afraid of heights and dangers on the road? You're afraid to go places. You don't want to get out. The almond tree, it means your hair. Gentlemen, we struggle with this more than ladies. Your, your hair, it's gone. You don't want to know what to do with it. You struggle to, as you look at the idea of the grasshopper here losing its spring, you struggle to move from one place to the other, so you just have to move into a one-bedroom apartment that's on a flat. You're afraid to climb steps. And the caper berry has no effect. There's a lack of a desire for intimacy as you age. Solomon is showing to us as you walk through this passage that age will get us all. For the mere mortal is headed to his eternal home and the mourners will walk around in the street. He goes further. Before the silver cord is snapped the idea of our back and the jaw and the gold bowl is broken that your head won't do what it's supposed to do and the jar is shattered at the spring your heart won't beat the way that it's supposed to beat and the wheel is broken at the well some believe that that's talking about your blood not flowing the way that it's supposed to and then you see verse 7 a phrase that we're familiar with and the dust returns to the earth as it once was and the spirit returns to God who gave it And then Solomon says this, that is absolute futility. Everything is vanity. Everything is futile. So, lots of conversations taking place right now about freedoms and independence. And we as Americans especially love independence. Think about this. Literally, all that you have was given to you by God. And all that you have will be required of you completely when you die. All of it. 
you don't get to look at God and say, no, I'm keeping my heart. My eyes, they're, they're mine. You can have everything else. Now, that's the fight that most of us are having. God, I'll keep what I want. God, you can be the God of me with the exception of the things that I want to be the God of. God, you can have all of things except for what I really want, which means that he's not really God. That means you are. We talk about aging in this passage and you see the idea that it's not the way that it's supposed to be. We read through the book of Genesis and as we see Genesis, God created things perfectly and Adam and Eve were there. Everybody's naked. They're eating apples. They're not eating apples. Whatever fruit was the problem. And whenever we look at the fall of the world, we begin to see that sickness and death invade. And because of the invasion of sickness and death, the fallen world in which we live, it displays its fallenness and creation groans over and over. And we have this... All of those things said... We end up with a super odd picture of God because we see that we age and when we look at God, we think that He's this old being. But all of the things that I've just read to you from Ecclesiastes to tell you that what's taking place in you because of sin means that you're going to, to eventually die. But God doesn't die. And because God doesn't die, the idea of age is something that's not there. When we read from Isaiah earlier about young men, God, young men eventually growing weary, God never grows weary. When we talk about the idea of you and I losing our strength, God is never void of strength. When we talk about standing and holding things up, God always stands. God never fails. That's who God is. God is not this old curmudgeon. Again, I've used that word inadvertently. That we've placed in the sky who is very much unlike, uh, who is like a grandparent. God is never aging. He, at the same time, we see that he's forever on top of forever. God is a God of life. But he says to us, in this life, life's going to be hard. Verse 9. In addition to the teacher being a wise man, he constantly taught the people knowledge. He weighed, he explored many, many proverbs. See that? Solomon's just evaluating himself. It's a pretty healthy thing for us to evaluate ourselves from time to time. He taught them many, many proverbs. But what he realizes is what all of us need to realize that Knowledge is what you know and wisdom is what you do. You can know lots of stuff and you can be a, an educated fool. Nothing's going to teach you like life. This is why whenever someone is a, like a, a 19-year-old, for whatever reason, acts like your grandmother, you're like, that person is wise beyond what? His years. Or he is an old What? Friends, we can read all that we want to read and we can know everything that that we're supposed to know about something, but what's going to teach you and what's going to teach me the most is life. This is why we use phrases like, I need to see it. This is why YouTube tutorials are the most popular thing on the internet. 
I need to see it. I've watched the same video of how to get my garage door to shut all of the way 47 times. So I've been here over three years, and when I got here, we're a relatively young congregation, and lots of you who have, um, you know, two or three babies now, you didn't have babies when I got here. Alex, who was my administrative assistant when I when I walked in, she she has two babies now. We're on our fourth administrative assistant right now. The administrative assistant position at this church is like the defense against the dark arts position at Hogwarts. We just keep having to fill it. We're this young congregation. We've got a few older couples who are just full of wisdom who probably look at us a lot and just kind of shake their heads. And I'm actually one of the people who's shaking his head sometimes now. Like, I never thought I was supposed to shake my head at people, but I do. Here are two conversations I've had. For those of you who are in this older tier, whenever I or Jared or whomever has pushed you toward relationships that are outside of your generational comfort zone. We like our people. I I know you like your people. You're with them all the time. And then if I talk to someone who's younger about asking someone who's older to invest in them, someone who's walked through the things you've walked through, someone who's already carried three kids in the back of a minivan before they had the electric back door... I don't really know about meeting with that person regularly. Once a season is wasted, whether it's as an investor or an investee, you're not going to get it back. So we, if we're not careful, have a room full of educated fools who are not doing the things to help one another get through life the way that God's called us to. We're not asking, so just show me how to do this. Or let me show you how to do that. And it's this intergenerational idea that the Bible seems pretty big on from time to time. That if we're not careful, we ignore. And we can know lots of Bible verses. You can quote everything. You can quote at me. And I get all of that. And the Bible is incredibly helpful. As a matter of fact, it helps us to see Jesus. It is the treasure map that gets us to the treasure that is Jesus. It is God's inerrant word. I believe all of those things. But knowing what it says and applying what it tells us are different. And I need someone who's older. Hear this from me. I grew up in this house where my dad, we just didn't have a good relationship. He wasn't a Christian. And when I say he wasn't a Christian, he wasn't a Christian in any way. He claimed faith in Jesus and I I trust the grace of God in all of that. But the idea of investment in my spiritual growth, it wasn't there. So I had this person or that person that would invest in me along the way. But as far as someone looking at me and saying, hey, let's walk through this together, that person never came along. And he never came along in large part 
because I haven't had developed this rebellious nature toward God, towards any type of authority. And I'd push and I'd push and I'd push. I don't want anything to do with it. I figured out myself and I've lived my life at times as an educated fool. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for any of us. It's not what God's called us to. The teacher sought to find delightful sayings and write words of truth accurately. I've put my stuff down is what Solomon said. He then says this in verse 11 about those people that we're not asking to invest in us. The sayings of the wise, they're, they're like cattle prods. Don't you love being prodded by a cattle? And those from masters of collections are like firmly embedded nails. The idea of being goaded. So, so Beezer, my grandmother who I lived with growing up, we, our, we did not have like a ring doorbell or anything. What we had, she put these glass bottles at the door. And that way, if someone broke in, we would hear them shake the glass bottles. They could have a soda while they're there. And right beside her bed, she had this cattle prod that she kept there. She was going to light somebody up. The cattle prod's like this, at least in the Bible, it's used on stubborn animals that won't move. He was used to prod and to push and to mo- and he's saying, you are going to need the words of the wise to push and motivate you at times. You need someone saying something to you that pushes you to do things that are uncomfortable. A good teacher's words, they're going to hurt a bit. They're going to sting. But what's ultimately going to happen if this person is investing in you in the way that God hopes that you are invested in is that's going to stir eventual affection in your heart so that you follow better than you did before you were prodded. He's making us to think deeply about life, about what it means, about what it means to find joy in the midst of madness and to see Christ in the midst of chaos. When he says nails in this, he's, he's talking about phrases that he's used throughout the entirety of the book of Ecclesiastes to, that are supposed to stick with us. That's why he says vanity of vanities over and over. Under the sun, life is meaningless over and over. That's why we hear phrases like two are better than one. A three-fourth cord is not quickly broken. That's why we see that the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong, but time and chance happen to them all. He uses things to make us think. Are you being prodded by the words of Solomon to make you think? Because if you do not realize that growing in faith will be painful, you're not growing in faith, you're growing in comfort. This is pain-filled, difficult. The sayings are given by one shepherd. I love that because it's a reference to God himself. Psalm 23, you've probably read that at some point. You may have a tattoo or something. This is why we've been walking through this book. The Lord is our shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. And it is through this book that we learn about Jesus, who is wisdom completely embodied. From a man who had all power, all wealth, and all wisdom, he is pointing us to Jesus, who became powerless, poor in this life, but contained the wisdom of God in full. And then we can look at him and we can see this is what real life looks like. 
Because our shepherd speaks to us, and in speaking to us, he shows that the good shepherd is the one who redeems us. The Bible tells us this incredible story of redemption, that paradise will be restored, and that God is making all things new. We're reminded of what God offers us above the sun. We mentioned this the very first week we walked through Ecclesiastes. God provides from above the sun and that is all about the new. In the blood of Jesus Christ we have a new covenant. In his resurrection we have new life. God gives believers a new heart. The Holy Spirit offers us a new self. In Jesus you are an absolute new creation. God is doing a new thing. He is not just doing a new thing. He will eventually make all things new. So all of the fleeting of life, the young and the old, God is doing something altogether new. Are we going to be part and participate in what God is doing or are we going to continue to live as educated fools missing the message and mission of God in our lives because we want to shake our heads because we think we know better. But beyond these, he says in verse 12, be warned my son. There is no end to the making of many books and much study wearies the body. You're going to get book after book after book and you're almost at times even going to be tempted to be informed and not transformed. We're going to keep reading and be challenged but we're not going to be changed. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God and keep His commands because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing where God, whether good or evil. Solomon, the second wisest person in history, the salutatorian, if you will, is pointing us toward the one who is wisdom embodied. And he is saying, as you look through scriptures and you see what God has taught to us in regard to discipleship, don't miss this. This is relational investment for the sake of the kingdom. We invest into one another as believers because we have been invested into by God. It is us doing laterally what God has done vertically. Caring for one another and pushing each other toward Jesus. Pushing, pushing, pushing so that, the God, so that as God's people we are displaying that we believe Him more than we believe anything else. Solomon has just said to us over 12 chapters, I'm going to tell you this is what I did right and this is what I did wrong. Hopefully we'll take from that and we'll learn and we'll be more like Jesus because of it. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Jesus, I love these people. And Lord, as we consider that we break down and that we struggle and we fall, God, I would pray that you would move in our midst in a supernatural way because you're a supernatural God and you would push us to be conformed into your image through the power of your word. alongside of the the presence of your people investing in one another. Investing in our own families, investing in other families, growing together in faith because of you, Lord Jesus. We trust you this morning. We believe in you. And Lord, I pray that if there are any here who have not been made new by you, Jesus, this will be the morning where they place their faith in you. 
the hope of the world. God, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. We thank you for a broken body and shed blood. We ask all this in your powerful name. I'm over here if you need me. Oh, Lord, my God.
verse right here. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. When we sing this, we can sing this with joy. We can actually smile when we sing it because we know the end of the story. We know what God accomplished through Jesus Christ. Though things may be messy and crazy here, this isn't home. This isn't home. This isn't our hope. Our hope is in Jesus. So I want to sing this with some clarity, some perspective. And then when we get to that chorus, then sings my soul. It's the only natural response. Right, church, here we go. When Christ shall for leading us today. If you have any questions about any of this, feel free to message myself or Jared or our elders. We'd love to follow up with you. Uh, Each week we close together by saying the Lord's Prayer from the Gospel of Matthew. And if you'll just join with me. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks so much for being here.